This is Mark Steiner. Today is July the 7th, and welcome to this day in history. For the cramped, bewildered years we went to school to learn to know the reasons why, and the answers too, and the people who, and the places where, and the days when, in memory of the bitter hours when, in memory of, in memory of the bitter hours when we discovered we were black and poor and small and different and nobody cared and nobody wondered and nobody understood. For the boys and girls who grew in spite of these things to be man and woman, to laugh and dance and sing and play and drink their wine and religion and success, to marry their, their playmates and bear children and then die of consumption and anemia and lynching for my people. Strong 47th Street in Chicago. That was the great poet and writer Margaret Walker just before she passed away, reading an excerpt of her famous poem, For My People. She was born today in 1915 in Birmingham, Alabama, and that poem made her the first black woman to win a National Book Award for poetry. She went on to give us novels like Jubilee, and we remember her today on her birthday. This is Saba Saba Day in Tanzania, celebrating the founding of the Tanganyika African National Union in 1954 by Julius Nyerere, the first president of an independent Tanzania. He was teaching when he founded the group known by its acronym TANU, based on African indigenous cooperative society and socialism to create a workers' and peasants' paradise that joined the culture of its diverse population to create a national identity. Julius Nyerere, a man of great intellect and spirit, is remembered as one of the African giants fighting to end colonialism. Today in 1801, Toussaint Louverture presented the new constitution declaring Haiti independent. This man, who led an army of the enslaved to overturn slavery and defeated the French colonialists, sent a shudder of fear through the hearts of American slaveholders, including then-President Thomas Jefferson. Louverture's constitution ended slavery but kept the plantation system and declared him governor for life. The great Scottish novelist who brought us Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle, suffered a heart attack and died today in 1930. While clearly remembered as a great mystery writer who created an iconic character, few realize he was a fighter for social justice and an anti-colonialist who also wrote a short book called The Crime of the Congo, exposing the genocide, crimes, and horror of the Belgium in the Congo. As we hear about low wages being paid to workers in our largest retail stores, let's remember a woman born on this day in 1897. Beatrice Fox Auerbach who owned the largest retail store in America at that time in Hartford, Connecticut. She instituted a five-day, 40-hour work week, interest-free loans, medical assistance, paid vacations, and livable wages for her 3,000 employees. She was the only retail leader who hired African Americans as salespeople and executives while she remained active in the Jewish community. Beatrice Fox Auerbach showed it could be done. Mary Jenkins Surratt was hung today as a conspirator in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln in 1865. She was the only woman executed. And while she owned the boarding house where John Wilkes Booth and others plotted the murder of the president, her innocence or guilt is still being debated today. Another woman we mention is Sandra Day O'Connor, who became the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court today in 1981, with President Ronald Reagan making good on his pledge to nominate a woman to fill the first opening on the nation's highest court. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North began his testimony today in one of the last century's great political scandals, the Iran-Contra affair. The United States was accused of selling guns to Iran to deal 
They have freed some American hostages and using the money to fund the Contras who are waging war against the left-wing Sandinista Nicaraguan government. He famously said that day, never carried out a single act, not one. Oliver North was convicted, but never served time. His Iranian counterpart, who leaked the story, was executed. And President Reagan, who was often accused of giving the green light to the deal with Iran, was never prosecuted or officially accused. The 7-7 bombings in London, England erupted today in 2005, killing 56 people and three underground railroad stops and on a double-decker bus. This is the worst mass attack in England since World War II. The young Britons who carried it out were deeply dissatisfied with their lives in Britain and turned towards religious extremism. Arguably one of the greatest pitchers of all time to take the mound, Satchel Paige was born today in 1906. He began pitching for the Negro League's Chattanooga Black Lookouts in 1926. Then at age 42 in 1948, he became the oldest rookie in professional baseball for the Cleveland Indians after baseball's racial barriers came down. This is also the birthday of a man once known as the Dean of Science Fiction Writers who brought us timeless novels like Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Heinlein, who was born today in 1907. And here's a song for your July the 7th. Today's the birthday of Joseph William Perkins, Pine Top Perkins, born in Belzoni, Mississippi in 1913. This blues, great blues pianist actually started playing the guitar, but switched to the piano after injuring tendons in his arm. He lived a long life, became the oldest ever Grammy winner at the age of 97, winning Best Traditional Blues Album. He passed away a month later, with 20 upcoming dates on his calendar. In an interview near the end of his life, he said, I can't play the piano like I used to either. I used to have a rolling bass like thunder. I can't do that no more. But I asked the Lord, please forgive me for the stuff I've done trying to make a nickel. We remember the great Pine Top Perkins, one of the last original Mississippi Delta Blues musicians, today on his birthday, with Baby, What You Want Me To Do. Folks, this is Mark Steiner right here on your source for cool jazz and more. WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. In 2015, I had a conversation with Las Cafeterias, which is a Chicano band from L.A. They were in town to perform at the Creative Alliance. We talked about the influences on their music, about Chicano identity and rights in the world, their life in L.A., and more. I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation and the incredible music that goes along with it. visiting Baltimore, and they are a, well, let them describe who they are, but we heard that they were coming and checked out their music and realized that this is this mixture of all kind of Chicano and Mexicano music and Afro-Mexican music and put together, and they have a deep political consciousness to boot, so 
sound like we should be here. So here we are. Why don't we do names? Make sure I have everybody's name. My name's Leah, and I play the quijada, and I sing, and I dance. Hi, I'm Daniel. I play the jarana segunda, and I sing and rap. Uh, Hector Flores. I also play the jarana tercera. I also sing and dance. My name is Denise. I sing, I play the jarana primera, and I dance. My name is Jose, and I play the bass. Uh, my name is also Jose. My last name is Cano. I play uh, percussion drums. Hey world, my name is David. I play the Requinto Jaloncho. So, uh, who can just talk a bit about the, the group, the essence of what the group is and where it started? We started from an arts and cultural space. Uh, it's called the Eastside Cafe. And some folks are giving free lessons of this music, Son Jarocho, that comes from the southern state of Veracruz. Uh, there was a lot happening in, East, in L.A. at the time. Uh, they were trying to take over the South Central Farm, the largest urban farm oh, in right, the United right, States. Right, right. Uh, and so the, this music was kind of the soundtrack to that movement, and we would hear a lot of this music. And one time we saw Son de Madera coming from Mexico, Los Cojolites, big-time names of Son Jarocho music. Uh, from Mexico, and they were playing at the farm with Zach de la Rocha and Quetzal, some real prominent Chicano figures. And, you know, we were young Chicanos, Chicanas at that time, and we saw them playing this music. And that just really sparked this, wow, this, it sparked this kind of um, motivation to learn this music and begin to share our stories. And uh, that's kind of the origin of, of where we come from, from the Eastside Cafe, Las Cafeteras. People would say, hey, there's the cafeteros from the Eastside Cafe. Uh, but we also took on the feminine identity of Las, Las Cafeteras. And we're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so so why, why did you take on the feminine? Uh, I, you know, because people say Spanish is a, is a sexist language like English. And so, you know, when you refer to a group of people, even though they have women there, you would say Los Cafeteros. In the masculine, um, but you would never refer to a group of you know women with men in it, you know, uh, in the same way. Uh, I heard um, there was a group of uh, people dancing danza, Azteca, Mexica in the Bay Area, and they all referred to themselves as Chicanas. And I thought that was really interesting. The men, men and women, all referred to themselves as Chicanas. And I thought that was really powerful in a time where we were being like, well, Los Cafeteros, Las Cafeteras. So I brought it up to the group and see if, if, if people dug the idea of just taking on the feminine identity. And everybody, you know, everybody was down with that. We saw no problem with that being referred to as a feminine. And, uh, and it's a way to challenge patriarchy and, and sort of like a, a very small, subtle, but very like uh, fierce way, I believe, you know. So I'm curious, but I want to get to the heart of the music and the culture that you bring out, the stuff that you do. And I've been listening to lots of other music that, from your songs, has sort of kind of gone through the internet and pulling out pieces of music from other places to kind of feel from what the roots were of where you came from. But I'm curious, did you all know each other for a long time? You've been friends for a long time, all of you? We, yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of us met in different ways. Uh, some are family, some of us went to college together. Um, so this kind of, it's funny because it's almost, not a mistake, but it's, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. We weren't supposed to be a band. We're all kind of, had, went to, had gone to college, we're doing a lot of movement work in L.A., um, different kinds of, of activism, and so that's how we knew each other. We had the same or similar ideologies, and so we would be in, in similar spaces. Um, 
and then the music happened and we all started learning and we really grew together um, as musicians and vocalists and storytellers um, in, in a scary way but also a really safe way of, of empowering each other's words and experiences and validating what we were living and how we can talk about that now. I never learned how to play music until we all started learning together and I think for most of us we can say that couple of people already had some musical background but um yeah you know we kind of were, were set on our journeys and then music happened and now here we are and so, I mean, politically i mean you all clearly we're not like young revolutionaries in the 60s you're too young for that so <laughs> so tell me about that because your music is all imbued with all this kind of bringing these mexican cultures together and afro-mexican culture together with what happened in Ch chicana culture in america but but your, your politics are really revolutionary. You can tell by what you've been saying. So, Well, we're movement kids. So okay. movement kids. So we were, a lot of us were involved in different types of movements. Uh, a lot of us are children of immigrant parents or second-generation immigrant parents. Um, grew, a lot of us grew up working class, hella poor. Um, but, you know, like we did Zapatista-inspired work. So we would go to, you know, Chiapas and learn from the Zapatistas. Uh, yeah, we, you know, me and my brother, we've been to Chiapas at least three times specifically to connect with Zapatistas. Been to Cuba to learn about, you know, what's going on there. But we were all organizers. Like me and Cano, we met at a rally against budget cuts to the to the school system. You know, we do Zapatista work. We met he you know, we all did did faith based organizing. He could talk a little bit about that, community organizing, youth organizing, you know, like she ran a gender and sexuality center and so everybody was doing movement work before music. You know? Spiritual work, healing work, movement work. And so music kind of became the platform to talk about the world we want to manifest, the work we were already doing. And so that's kind of where a lot of this stuff comes from. What we say and what we sing about is just a sort of a reflection of our reality and what we, what we were, sort of the experience of, of being born in East L.A. or the East Side or the Greater East Side, Los Angeles, sort of this world city, um, and then our experiences growing up in Los Angeles. Me voy sin dinero. Ya me voy. Yo no quiero. Pero ya me voy. Sin dinero tengo miedo, pero voy. Para el norte ya me voy. Corre, jale, ya me voy. No sé dónde, pero voy. No te vayas, no te vayas a morir en la 
I think like Hector will say sometimes like uh, and Denise too like um, people will say well wow your music is really political you know tell us about that and we'll say like I, I think that taking on like I think that we're not trying to be a political band like to add on what Leah's saying it's simply that our experience is political right so that we might not even be we have a song called Yame Voy that is a conversation between a parent and a child and the parent saying I gotta leave I have to go through the desert so that I can put food on the table and then the next verse the kid's saying please don't go please don't go and so that's not us trying to be political that's us talking about our family and what we grew up with so I think you know part of our thing is really about telling stories and the power of a story to reel people into something they've never maybe thought about um, or if you did live it then now it's like that's my story too and that's doing something to me that's that I don't always get done to me like I don't always hear my stories in the TV or radio so. Esteban Morales, who's a uh, Cuban writer, philosopher, um, one of the leading experts on the Afro-Cuban world, we had a conversation in Cuba just two months ago, and he was saying, and this other cat who was a Santero was there too, uh, Carlos Yosa, Yoga, and um, and we're talking about how in the Santeria that, that they said, no, it's not a black religion, it's an African religion based on African philosophy, and then they said, because to be African in this hemisphere is to resist, mm-hmm. is to be resistance. But in some ways, coming up in the Chicano, the Chicano world is the same way, right? Kind of the, the, whole, the whole term Chicano is kind of an interesting term. It takes yeah. on, like, different people will define it differently. I think, like, me growing up, I, I didn't grow up in L.A. I grew up in Oxnard, which is an hour north of L.A. And Chicano was always, like, a, a term of, like, um, kind of like a, like you're not Mexican enough to be Mexican, because you're born here, you don't know the customs, you speak the language funny. Um, so it's like a derogatory name. You're like, uh, yeah, you're not Pocho. really, yeah, Pocho. Like, you're not really Mexican, even though, like, everybody in your family is Mexican. So um, that, that, that's what Chicano means for a lot of people. And so um, I think, I'm not sure where it happened or when it started, but, like, for a lot of us, um, the Chicano identity means more than just, like, your ethnic makeup and where you were born. It's more of, like, like values, like what you believe in, things of like social justice and love and caring about your community and a positive identity to your history and, and all that. Like, yeah, we were born here. Yeah, we have like roots in, in Mexico and, and not just Mexico. Like that experience counts and it's something beautiful. And so being Chicano is embracing that. And like, yeah, we are different, but that's cool. There's a a skip by Dave Chappelle where, uh, you know, he runs into this Native American at a Walmart, you know, and he's like, whoa, y'all are real? You're not in a museum or something, you know? And, like, that's with us, too, you know? Like, we're we're real folks, you know? It's not, you know, we talk about Chicanos and and these people, and we read about them in books, you know, and stuff. And the same thing with Native Americans, you know, is, like, we try to... Like these folks from the past, these folks from the '60s, you know, the, that aren't around no more. But we're we're just, 
you know, we're just here trying to do what we do, you know, and trying to find our place in this in this mega world, you know. It's interesting in the racial category when people do the census, yeah, yeah. right? Like we don't exist. You know, the people you're interviewing right now, we, we, do, we do not exist, <laughs> right? There's white, there's black, there's Native American, there's API, there's, you know, like, uh, because that's a social constructed, race is a social constructed thing, people made them up just to be able to give privilege or deny privilege. Like, like brown folks and like people, Chicanos, who are a mix of many different nations and peoples do not exist in that. Uh, but we do. And we're actually in California right now, like Latinos make up, are now the, we're, no, we're the majority now. By 2050, Latino, most people in the United States will trace their roots to Latino America, not to Europe. So we exist and we're a very real force, but our stories don't exist. Mm. You know? Like, our, uh, like, we're either supposed to be white, native, black, but like, you know, like, and, but we're all of it. And that something is like, a, is, it, it like messes with people. And it should because we're very complex and very beautiful. You know what I'm saying? I mean that in a good looking sense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, and, and that's sort of like what we're doing, you know? And that's sort of like that, that, that work that we're trying to put out, that we exist and, you know, and our stories are part of that, you know? And you do it through your music. I mean, the songs, you, you write most of your songs, right? They, they're from inside you. But even the traditional, like some of the traditional songs, we take some of the traditional lyrics and we like adapt them to like to our reality. So yeah, so most of the songs that we write are our own lyrics. this morning and listening again on the way over here and there's so many different pieces in here you, you, there's a Mujer Soy so I wrote the lyrics to that song uh, Mujer Soy um, which means I am woman and it takes excerpts of the experiences I've had 
as a woman and also with women in my life speaks to women I've known and how I've seen them through suffering kind of come up like a phoenix, come up through the flames of their own lives and be able to come out strong, but also being able to witness what does it mean to be a woman and um, being under constant attack or as a target or as a object of desire and exploitation and and using my own experiences not to feel like I'm here to only be victimized or to feel sorry for my sisters but to also to acknowledge the pain that can come with with it but also to to say I am I'm a woman I'm not here to uh, excuse myself you know I'm a woman and that's what I will be you know, but I'm not going to be silenced. And so it's an honor of, of all women that I've known and, and the, young, the young girls who will probably go through a lot and, and saying, hey, like, I see you and I am you and you're going to rise and we're all rising together. I used to cry when I sang that song and I think even talking about it, it's, um, it's an experience to be a woman that um, often isn't... Um, valued, you know, because all that we see of women are like decorate decorations or or um, to satisfy either the male desire or the male gaze. And so um, this song isn't meant to to be pretty. It's meant to be seen and to, um, to acknowledge inspire. and hopefully to inspire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you all are in, I mean, even the fact that you, there are fewer women than men in the group, fact that you are that you are called las cafeteras instead of los cafeteros i mean that that's a huge i mean that's that must speak to to the women in this group in a very special way yeah i think i think also that we're we're students of life and so we're always learning and there's always a lot of challenges that we encounter um and that's part of being human so we're always also always learning always figuring out how to be better people
pushing us out into gangs, wars, and drugs. And then they get pissed off at us when we become crips and bloods, traviesos, zutsuras, pachucos, folkloristas, punks, bomberas, haraneras in the heat, haraneras with the bombs and beats, talking about what's really going on in the streets. the 60s in the streets of Oakland, California, Black Panthers organized for answers, young lords in New York fought against wars, the Stonewall Rebellion remained true for the rights of the LGBTQ, AIM who was down for native rights with no shame in their game, brown berets in LA learning how to fight and doing what's right. In the campos of California, Filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott. Screaming in solidarity, Isang Baksak, one rise, one fall. You come for one, you come for all. And today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play. Carving out racist laws like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar, and Bell. With my mentor, Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day while my people are hunt down like prey. You're listening to a segment from the Mark Steiner Show archives. Send your thoughts about this show to talk at steinershow.org or tweet me at Mark Steiner. It's about we. It's time to move, y'all. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the Mark Steiner Show. And before we get back to our conversation, I want to remind you that the Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union. Offering a full range of financial services, MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. More information at www.mecu.com or steinershow.org is MeQ, Baltimore Credit Union's banner. Who did It's Movement Time. Where'd that come from? I mean, we all did it. We all did it. We all, we all did movement. And he wrote the lyrics. He wrote yeah. the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we I all wrote the lyrics. You know, I think... My brother showed me... There was a YouTube video of Cat Williams, and he was in Arizona, and he got an altercation, like a verbal altercation with a, a Mexican dude in the, in the room. And sort of like put the show on stop. And it was interesting because it, it, it was in Arizona, being sort of like the state that it is, you know, anti-immigrant. And so basically, Cat Williams went on a rant and basically said, you know, get the hell out of here. Go back to where you come from. This. this is USA, right? And so he got everybody a chant, USA, USA. And it was a crowd of, like, black and brown folks, which was, like, really, like, it was a really powerful sort of video. And it was just before we're doing the show on September 16th, right, which is Mexican Independence Day. And, you know, we had this sort of deep conversation about, like, well, if Cat Williams knew that, like, runaway slaves could go to Mexico and get their freedom. If Cat Williams knew that, you know what I'm saying, that Mexico went to war with Texas, you know, because Texas was trying to hold slaves. You know what I'm saying? If Cat Williams knew the solidarity that, uh, the solidarity that existed between Mexican folks and, and black folks, like, would he be saying the same thing? Maybe he's just ignorant of his history. So why, why don't we write, not a song, but let's write a piece about our history, about solidarity. And that's where Movement Time, it was less a song and more like this sort of thing that came out what we just felt at the time, you know? I have a friend in L.A., um, you might know him, I don't know, Luis Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, poet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. I've known Luis for a long, long time. <laughs> for a long time, 40 years, maybe mm. longer. But, uh, so, I've known him forever, and um, 
he wrote this piece, and he was on, it was a few years back, and he came on the show to talk about it, which was about the first president of Mexico, who was a Afro, African and indigenous Mexican Guerrero, Guerrera. So, and so your music talks that. I'd like to talk about that, that cultural piece you just said, and the music you create around that, and the music that comes out of Veracruz and other places that is this, that, that where the kind of the African world and the indigenous world, the Latino world kind of became one. Because that's a lot of what you sing about, at least pieces of it, right? Son Jarocho music comes out of uh, a mix of Arab, Spanish, native, like uh, Olmec and Popoluca and other native folks to what's now called Veracruz, Mexico, um, and Africans who were uh, enslaved from Western Africa and brought um, to the port city of Veracruz, Mexico. So Son Jarocho music comes out of a mix of that colonial experience of slavery and struggle um, of an empire trying to claim land and all the interactions that, that came out of that. So La Bamba is actually a great example because La Bamba is a, an African word. And everybody we talked to when we were in Veracruz, we're like, okay, so what's a, what's, what is what a La Bamba? <laughs> what is the thing that we're singing? And everyone says, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, it's, it's La Bamba. I mean, it's La Bamba. You know what I'm saying? La Bamba is La Bamba. But, every, but folks said it's an African word, so it's kind of like an heirloom. And I think that sometimes um, colonization has a, a, a taken away enough of our stories where we just maybe have little fragments, a name. Sometimes your last name, you don't even know what your last name holds in your story. You just have a hint, you know? And um, what's cool about Son Jarocho is that because it comes out of this mix... It makes it that much more beautiful. Um, it, like David said, it, Son Jarocho music came to us in East L.A., or in, really in South L.A. at this garden, the South Central Farm. Hector was cool enough to ask a friend, a uh, friend Angela, who gave us lessons. Like every Saturday we'd play for hours um, and sing and dance and, uh, and play these haranas. And in the end, I think where we're at now is we're starting to add our own influence. Like we've gone on a little journey and allowed Son Jarocho to be uh, reflective of our city. So we'd say, hey, well, what if we do this little ska beat? Or, you know, I, I rap, so I'm like, hey, well, let me rap over something, you know. And, you know, David, you know, got electric pedals for his, his requinto. And so I think what's happening is the same thing that, that happened in Veracruz. It's you have all these different folks going through different things. And they start talking to each other. They start, the sounds travel, and people say, hey, man, the people over there, they do some stuff like this. They, you know, and they copy it, and it changes. So music takes on the spirit of the land. And I think that's what you hear in, in our album, is this kind of L.A. Chicano thing sampling Veracruz, you know, in our own way. And, and, I, and I think in a very respectful way, I think, like, We've spent time with folks, and we don't claim to be like masters of Son Jarocho. Actually, we kind of say the opposite. Tell your story. Like, don't wait for a master to approve you to tell your story. You know, respect the traditions and also, like, talk about what's going on. Yeah, and, you know, Black Mexico is something that just in the past few years, people are starting to really talk about and do research around and and write books about. Um, It's a very hush-hush kind of thing in Mexico to um, to claim blackness, having African uh, blood, um, even indigenous blood, right? It's a very Eurocentric country. Um, even You see that in TV, you, like in the news, 
podcasters and novelas, and you see a lot of that. And so even being able to be Chicanos from L.A., um, in communities where we grew up with African-American, you know, black-identified uh, folks, it's very powerful, I think, for us to be, especially, look, you know, look at us where we don't present to be black or even very indigenous, depending on who you look at. But um, I think a lot of times people are surprised that we are talking about a country's, you know, origins, uh, the different ethnic origins of the country that our parents came from where they weren't able to talk about it because they were taught something completely different. Where now we're also adding hip-hop to this, you know, slave music from Mexico. Um, So it's very layered, but we're also able to talk about it through our own experiences and hopefully be able to kind of shift the, um, the narrative of who's supposed to say what, sing what, who's whose music does this, or whose uh, music is this, who does it belong to? Um, and so I think uh, a lot of that is like, there's a lot of questions, you know? There's lot, like, what do you mean there's black people in Mexico, you know? Or why are you adding hip-hop to, aren't you supposed to be a Mexican band? You know, so people have a very narrow view of where anyone comes from and what they're supposed to kind of offer any audience. And I, th- I think sometimes we confuse people. You know, like, isn't this a Mexican fiesta? What's happening? You know, so. So, um, do you want to do a little something? Just give our, I heard a little bit here and there as we've been talking, but to hear something that maybe gives a flavor of the different pieces that you do and the kind of sounds you have. And it's kind of fun to do it in this little setting. The song La Bamba. Right. Uh, Yeah, you know, most people think it's uh, Richie Valens, you know, and he made, but it's really a, and people know it comes from Mexico, but they don't know that it comes from, we oftentimes don't know it comes from this genre of music, Son Jarocho, from a very particular part in Southern Veracruz, you know. And, and so it's interesting how Bamba has been developed over the years and changed, and um, we're honored to be a part of that kind of legacy uh, or, or that lineage of folks that have reinterpreted La Bamba and, and made it relevant to us today in our current situation. So that's what you're about and to that's do? That's what we'll play.
instruments. They're a little bit different than, 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 than you know, the usual guitars you see and stringed and uh, the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> Jawbones of a donkey. Um, so what are they called and what, where do they come from? This is a quijada del burro, a, a jawbone of a donkey, sometimes a horse, so if you got one, I'll take it. Cow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used a cow, but I'll try it. Um, so the teeth are loose. They're nice and loose. The, the donkey didn't have a very good dentist, so that works out well for us. Um, so when you hit the side, they, they make a really pretty sound. And then this is just a stick. This is the quijada. I'm Daniel. I'm playing the Harana Segunda. It's an eight-string guitar, tuned kind of like a ukulele. Um, and in fact, there's even some stories about trade routes uh, with Portugal and the way that, like, Cavaquinho kind of passed through um, and connections to the ukulele. So uh, they're doubled strings, so it's more of a rhythm guitar, and it sounds like this. <laughs> this is the same instrument, it's just a different size. This is a primera, meaning one or first. Um, and really, uh, the brightness of the jaranas are influenced by the size of the jaranas. So this is usually, the primeras are usually a little brighter. Jose, I'm playing the ukulele bass. It's tuned just like a regular bass, except it uses these uh, plastic strings, but, <laughs> but it's, it can be amplified. Uh, I'm also Jose. Cano, we'll go by Cano for the sake of this interview. Uh, I play... I play a few different instruments, but mainly I play cajon. And cajon is not like a, it's not like one of the OG original instruments of Son Jarocho music from like hundreds of years ago. I think it's a more like modern addition. But so it's not. This is not like a. It's not a Jarocho instrument per se. So the cajon is like Peruvian. So that's kind of where they, they started really playing this stuff. So we also have uh, drums. I mean, I don't have drums here, but you know, everybody plays drums. And they play the flute. I play the flute. Yeah, so it's kind of like a mixture. We, we add a bunch of stuff. We add some, like, some shakers. I know Leah also plays a couple of the di different percussions. Um, but so there's like a wide array of percussive. You play the ancient ones. <laughs> yeah. Drums and reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I have a flute and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Like, I think a lot of the instrumentation, I mean, that. The foundation of a lot of the instruments is like the stringed instruments, which which are harocho instruments. Um, but we had a lot more that, that that are not traditional harocho instruments. So these are just a couple. I play the requinto harocho. Uh, it's you know a little guitar, kind of looks like a ukulele, four strings, a little bit bigger. Uh, it's like the melody, the lead guitar of of this music. The requintero usually. Uh, at a fandango, which is kind of the celebration of this music where everyone kind of gets together and plays. The requinto kind of uh, declares the what song is going to be played. Ooh. 
I can. So the tarima is the, the heartbeat of the music. It's like a drum. And so um, a lot of times people, when, when you see us dancing on the tarima, you often think of the dancer as sort of like this performance in dance, but really it's playing an instrument with the feet um, and sort of holding down the beats of each song. Antique shoes from the thrift store. You know what I'm <laughs> $20 make your holidays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man. Traditional. Traditional. Very. I think the Aldo. Aldo Itchley. Aldo Itchley. Aldo Titlan. I would never argue old school wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, traditionally speaking, with this music, too, uh, uh, you'll see that a lot of the upper body doesn't move at all. It's really just a lot of the feet. Uh, because back in the day, like even the song we just played, it was uh, made illegal by the Spanish Inquisition uh, because it would, and that's how a lot of folks used art, even just like today, uh, it, with political means to, to relay messages and things. Anyway, back in the days, uh, you would see only people dancing with, with their feet and they're really their upper body wouldn't move. We find it a little more difficult to control ourselves. Uh, so, you know, we, we yeah. move a lot. <laughs> you know, we have a big imagination. Um, big feet. So, and there's also, I'm just, when I was listening to your work and reading about the stuff behind the work, I mean, there's, you know, people in America, especially most people in the world, look at countries and places like Mexico as one, as if it's one culture, oh, yeah. right? But the, the music you bring in comes from all over. I mean, the different styles of music that come in, it's not the singular kind of music. I think right? we started to learn, we, when we first started learning music, um, we started learning just son jarocho. And with that sort of tried to mimic son jarocho, um, and in doing so, we're at one point challenged by others in our ability to to sort of um, play this music from Veracruz, which none of us are from, or our parents, or our grandparents. <laughs> um, and that was a, a really challenging point for us, but it also helped us to to also recognize that we we also come from sounds and rhythms beyond son jarocho, um, and that's when we started to incorporate hip hop and folk and you know a mishmash of sounds that we don't even have names for all of it, but it's it's more reflective of of the sounds that we grew up with. There's a really great documentary called Echo in Mexico that uh, has over 180 artists throughout the two-hour documentary about the music from Mexico. And there's not one mariachi. Uh, there's not one, like, folklorical group. And there's not one, like, banda group. Like, it's all the others. So from, like, indigenous folks rapping to, like, electronic stuff to, like, the new cumbia coming out. It's amazing, the stuff coming out. It's almost like the, the future of Mexico can be seen with the music and it's and so I think like what we're doing right now is like this mishmash so you can actually see the future of music in the United States by looking at like all the sort of the immigrant kids and what they're fusing you know yeah it's a great documentary but like it, through you the history of Mexico and where it's going can be seen through music and I think like there's Macu sound system in New York there's like Santa Cecilia and Chicano Batman uh, Piñata protest doing Norteño punk 
you know, in like Texas, growing a coma, like all these folks m- mac- mixing and mashing the stuff that we grew up with, with our traditions and all that. It's so dope. We um we have a friend who's in a band um, called Mariachi Manchester, and they're actually the first um, Smiths and Morrissey cover band that do all, through Mariachi music, which is crazy and awesome. so much to learn because we can get lost any of us in our own worlds can get lost in the cultures we're closest to in a geographic and physical sense not knowing how deep and vast and rich all the stuff is around us that we don't know about Mm -hmm. that we need to learn about there's a bumper sticker that says the world is too big for top 40 (laughs) (laughs) I like that that. (laughs) write it down write it down I I, I will write that down It's so funny too Like uh, A lot of time When we describe to people um, That we play this music That's inspired By a Mexican music A lot of folks A lot of Mexican folks Will ask Oh is it banda? Oh is it norteño? Or like Some folks might be like Oh is it kind of mariachi? Like We, we get those three Franche like You know We get those three All the time You know And I think that that's when We have to go into the explanation Of like where it comes from it's, And it's kind of new Even for people in Mexico Like this music Is not a popular music In Mexico uh, Jarocha music, maybe people have heard of it. Sometimes they see um, um, like a more like a commercialized version of it where they're all wearing kind of like a certain uh, kind of like traditional dress uh, attire and then they have like harps and you know it's a very like what you might see like on a, on a beer commercial sometimes you know <laughs> and uh, you know that's that that exists in some places but that's not us and so it's just kind of like it's always this process of explaining to people yeah. where we get some of our inspiration from. And this is a good, I think, example in the same way that you mentioned, Jose, about music and how people are like, okay, is it mariachi, banda, or norteño? Like, which one? And it's kind of like the census box. Like, which, which one are you? We have, like, a very simple story about people like you. And so which one do you fit into? You know, are you going to play the maid in this film? Are you going to play the gangster? Or what? You know? Or the Papi Cholo. The Papi Cholo. The Papi Cholo. Yeah, the new ones. Can I play the Papi Maid? And so, you know what I mean? And so I think musically, like, yeah. we're also kind of saying, like, we're not interested in being in any of those boxes. Like, we're not even necessarily interested in telling you what genre we are. Mm-hmm. Come, come to the show, experience something you've probably never experienced. And have a good time. And once we're having a good time together and dancing, now we can start talking about who we are and what we think about the world and your politics or whatever, you know. But I think our whole onda, our whole vibe is like come together, celebrate, and through that we'll build the kind of community that hopefully we can leave the show and go do some important work that needs to be done and and care really less about who's in which box and more about what needs to happen for our children and our communities, you know? Yeah. We, we, had our, uh, we had to put our, uh, we didn't have to, we, we were invited to put our music in the record store and we had to check like what, what genre we had to put it in. Like Daniel saying there was no, 
Like, we didn't know what, what genre to put it in. I think it made into, like, the Latin rock section or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that? Yeah. With all that glam rock from Mexico, like that? Like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's us? I think that's where we made it, so maybe we need yeah. to make another box or something. Yeah, yeah, we're like the World Music International stage at festivals, yeah. and then people are like, welcome. And we're like, hi. We're <laughs> like, what part of Mexico are you from? And we're like, L.A.? <laughs> yeah, like, it was stolen. LA. It was stolen. Yeah. <laughs> You want, can you do one more piece before we have to, before we roll? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great, man. The Mark Steiner Show is a production of the Center for Emerging Media. Our producer is Amani Spence. Our assistant producer is Calvin Perry. Our production assistant is Nadia Ramlikan. Our engineer is Andrea Melton. Our theme music is by Wal Matthews of Clean Cuts. Please send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at steinershow.org. Podcast the Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends. Please visit us on the web at steinershow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. Your source for cool jazz and more. WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. I'm Mark Steiner. <laughs>